0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Masters of Digital Transformation, a podcast from Aim10x dedicated to uncovering the best practices and most valuable learnings from the world's leading change agents and community of global innovators. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and as always, we're here to provide you with the actionable insights from today's greatest thought leaders to guide and accelerate your journeys. In today's Masters of Digital Transformation Season 3 premiere episode, we'll be joined by a principal at Deloitte Consulting, Raphael Cauldron, and VP of Industry Solutions at O9 Solutions, Patrick Lemoyne, to discuss today's emerging enterprise platforms and what you need to know about this next-gen technology. We'll start by talking a little bit more about why there's been a notable lack of innovation in much of enterprise technology before taking a look at what you need to know about the more cutting-edge platforms that we're seeing today, and then we'll close out the conversation by talking about how to go about finding the right technology partner in today's competitive and rapidly changing business environment. Uh, but first, let's start by introducing today's very special guests. First up, we're joined by Raphael Cauldron. Raphael is a former leader of planning and fulfillment globally in the U.S. at Deloitte Services. He currently serves as the senior partner responsible for several points across all of Deloitte. And he brings more than 20 years of industry and consulting experience, helping global companies drive operations performance
1: through large scale growth and efficiency initiatives. Rafa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kayla very much. Uh, always great to be with you guys and talk about these exciting things. so a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm also very excited to be joined by Patrick Lemoyne. Patrick is a VP of Industry Solutions at O9 Solutions, and he is passionate about technology and how technology can help companies. This is why, after a few years at McKinsey, he left the consulting world of enterprise software, and over the past 20 years he has worked at companies like i2 Technologies, now known as Blue Yonder, E2 Open and even SAP. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Very glad to be here myself. We have so much to talk about. Let's actually just get to the topic at hand, which is that emerging technology. So just really quickly to sort of set the stage a little bit. I mean, over the past four decades, enterprise IT has been really centered around uh, you know, ERP, the ERP application or enterprise resource planning for those of you who may be less familiar. And uh, ERP was the first enterprise platform and it allowed the automation of many transactions that had been manual until then and provided visibility of their business. And it's really been the standard technology for many years now. But let's fast forward to today. We're in 2022. I mean, companies are looking for software to help them manage the growing variability and complexity of their business, Um, but also uh, they need a platform that's going to help them make sense out of the vast amounts of data that's now available to them. So with all that in mind, I want to start by just talking a little bit more about sort of the lack of innovation in this enterprise technology. And and Rafa, I'm going to start with you here. There's been an explosion of technology advancements on the customer facing side over the last decade. A couple of examples that come to mind, we have Google Maps or Web. Uh, you know, really making traditional maps obsolete. Um, there's many, uh, you know, the consumer brands. Uh, you know, whether it be a Starbucks coffee, uh, restaurants being able to order, you know, meals directly in the palm of your hand. Why have we not seen the same level of innovation in the enterprise software space?
1: So, so first of all, let's put things in perspective, right? When we say lack of innovation, I do think we have to understand the context, right? Of Kind of how companies have evolved, right? So if you look at a, a typical corporation that, you know, implemented ERPs for you to be able to, to really make in, innovations or investments, uh, there was a lot behind it, a lot of barriers perhaps to overcome. As we've seen with the advent of the cloud and as we've seen as processing power in memory capabilities have evolved, I think that basically just changed the paradigm completely, right? And enable companies to be able to use distributed processing power. With that, you started to see a an explosion of innovation. So I think what we have to see is almost like two phases, right? The phase of ERP, then when digital came in and, you know, basically the cloud came in. I mean, I think that's really what transformed the ability of companies to do things. Um, The other piece, I think, is the empowerment that now we're able to provide in those cloud platforms for people to do innovation. So in the past, you relied on very complex languages to be able to do things. Now, I think you have an explosion of different ways for people to create things. Enterprises, I think, are taking a little longer to catch up because these are massive investments that companies made on infrastructure, on processes, and people. And to be able to break that down it's not easy. As companies evolve their platforms and make it easier for them to innovate, we're going to probably see a little bit of a catch up. But I'd love to kind of get your reactions, Patrick.
2: I'd probably be even a little bit more critical. I think if if there is innovation today, it's coming probably a bit less from most of the IT departments where we see innovation is actually on the business side. You know, when you think of some of the tools that have been, uh, that emerge, as you said, on the cloud... Uh, let's take something outside of you know uh, traditional IT, something like the collaboration tools, the slack, et etc. that innovation has been pushed by the users because they said, you know, the tools I'm getting from it, IT is getting them from the traditional vendors. they're not up to speed. This is not what I need to to be working collaborative, globally, et etc. So yes, um, I understand the 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 difficulties in in a global organization around, as you said, you know, uh, security access, you know, confidentiality of data, and all of this for sure. Uh, but I think uh, there's a lot more that uh, really the the IT could do, and and we see that uh, indeed there's a number of companies where the office of the CIO has has really changed the agenda from being driven by. You know, ERP or ERP upgrades, and and being you know slow to react to the needs of the business, to really being highly innovative, and those companies do exist. And then you see that the CEOs have a different role; they sometimes even get a different title. You know, they, they become chief digital officers, or chief digital transformation officers, etc. Uh, I think those are the ones who are really being more ambitious than I would say the the, the, the big pack.
1: You have all these barriers that we've created with information silos, as you start to create this really single data platforms of information, a lot of those barriers start to be questioned, right? A lot of those things start to come down. So I think that's also playing into the acceleration of the innovation piece.
0: So clearly, I mean, it sounds like both of you think that this really sort of the status quo with the ERP is changing, you know, one way or the other. So Patrick, I want to turn it back to you here. What would you say are some of the, the key drivers
2: related to these next gen platforms that you're seeing? To be honest, we don't really have the, the same killer app in the enterprise software space as, you know, on the consumer side where there's a range of, you know, like the Facebooks and Google Maps that you mentioned earlier, et cetera. But I think there's a number of innovative use cases that are indeed emerging. I still think that a lot of it is is driven by the business. Also, don't forget, business users are consumers too. So they've got their device, okay? They've got all this really smart stuff on their phone. This thing has teraflops of compute power. Why don't they get something similar, you know, on, on the enterprise side? Where I've seen most innovations, that the largest number of companies is really leveraging data for better forecasting. So that's really uh, a big one, or or, or sub flavor of it, demand sensing, which is you know super short term, you know, replenishment forecast. But fundamentally, the idea that you know, with the compute available today, with the storage available today, as you said, Rafa, you know, this is all in the cloud. There's of course. Uh, you know, thanks to Moore's law, there's there's an ability to to run, you know, on, on, on data sets that was just unthinkable of on, on So the primary use case is really around the forecasting, but it's forecasting of demand. And we've seen it in the industry, uh, the forecasting, for example, of of maintenance and, and predictive maintenance has been a, a really hot topic, uh, again, because the, the business benefits are huge. If you're able to predict, you know, when an engine or a turbine has, has a chance of breaking down and you can... You know, proactively go ahead and already have the spare parts ready in case, or even do a preventive swap. Uh, the impact on the business is huge. Okay, and uh, so we've definitely seen these uh, these uh, very very interesting cases, uh, and I'm sure Rafa, you have you have other examples, but I think this is this is what is driving innovation. You you need a strong business case. You need business users who say, "Hey, look, I've got a lot more data I could be using that I have been using." Compute is available. Help me, and then and then we find you know we find technology, we find partners, we find data scientists, and we build stuff. I
0: mean, you hit on a lot of very practical examples, uh, you know, related to how this could be used in the current business environment. But you know, Patrick, I just want to you know, thinking about ERP. I want to pass it back to you really quickly. I mean, these are sound like some very real uh, business cases. But do you think that? You know these these enterprise companies are going to embrace these changes. I mean, again, ERP has historically served them
2: well. Do you think they're going to see the immediate need? Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's it's driven by by the value of these business cases. So don't get me wrong, ERP is is here to stay. I mean, the ability to automate you know uh, all these transactions. Uh, globally and certainly as companies now move to you know a, a single instance because now it is feasible it was not in the past again because of compute uh, and and you know uh, network limitations this remains there they they still need to close the books they still need the you know the procure to pay process for sure so erp is there yeah. but the question is don't we need more than this and and the point is there is a number of use cases uh, where the value is great, so we talked about some of them around predictive maintenance, etc. Demand sensing, yeah. The the consumer look. I mean, one of our customers is 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 a is a huge coffee chain. They they have equipped you know all of their uh, stores and retail locations you know with with apps so that the baristas can enter very precise local you know, super local information. You know, if if your coffee shop is in a university town and and you know there's gonna be a game over the weekend or it's parents visiting for orientation week, that information is super relevant. That's gonna change, you know, the the demand, etc. Be able to process that data and then, you know, basically create a replenishment that is very specific to every single location across the world. Those are high value use cases. You know, if you look at the past two years, I think what we see is the companies that have done better are the ones that have been able to see what is changing in the market, whether it's on the demand side or on the supply side, and react faster. And, and the way you do this is not through a crystal ball. The, the way you do it is, is data. You know, capturing the data as soon as possible. You know, as Rafa said, go all the way the closest possible to the consumer or the customer, get that signal, and then you know, process it and, and make sense out of it. For me, this is, and I'm probably not the only one seeing this. I mean, the past two years have probably been the the greatest accelerator for for digital transformation. Companies realize that, wow, others who are able to get the information faster, leverage it, make decisions just are ahead of the pack. And everybody's realizing that they need to scale
1: and they need to create these digital capabilities. Picking up on the point around COVID in the last two years, I think, it basically broke a lot of paradigms right you know starting from can we actually run businesses remotely to how do i service my customers in a completely different way so if i'm a farmer you know how do i get food you know distributed when i cannot people are not coming to the markets to actually see the stuff when if i'm in a restaurant you know how do i actually stay in business without being able to get people to enter a lot of this innovation happened because it had to happen And, you know, it goes back to some of the points that you guys made around that consumer innovation, right? That consumer drove the need to say, I now want to be serviced in a different way. So everybody had to go and figure it out. And I think disruption is the biggest fuel for innovation. What has been started is not going to stop because now, like to your point, Patrick, you've created awareness in a lot of these executives that, wow, that's actually possible. Why can I take that construct and apply it to my business, right? So why is it that I only, you know, I can do this at home? But when I get to my company and I'm trying to you know, understand what's going on, I got to ask 50 people and have 50 emails and have two analysts to spend you know, two days putting it together for a report. Why can't I just look at a screen and have all the information? So I think we're starting to push for that inside. I also think you're going to have a tremendous amount of innovation from the standpoint of people understanding. And ERP is the backbone. And we can have apps around it. We can link apps around it. Lots of companies are starting to do that. That's you know, the moment you think about your ERP, like almost like an iPhone, anybody can do anything. And then if I combine it with the empowerment of being able to give more to my consumers to innovate, give more to my employees to innovate, and now I start to see a tremendous acceleration at the enterprise level. So I think the table set for a tremendous decade of innovation, that I think, is is uh, began this last couple of years and is going to continue.
0: Ralph, I just want to follow that up. You're talking about like this, this huge decade of innovation. What would you say are some of the biggest pain points or challenges that business leaders are facing today
1: as it relates to either evolving their legacy systems or embracing new technology? Number one is awareness. You know, number one is a lot of the executives still running companies came from an era where they basically got used to things working in a certain way. We got to break down those mental models. A lot of it happens to education reason I wrote a book on Digital Supply Networks two years ago was because when I was approached my clients, you know, I, I was starting from such a far point that I said, you know what, I'm going to give you this book. Please read these two chapters, and then I'm going to come back to you. We're going to have a conversation. I think board members, ex- executives, you know, that we grew up in a different era, you know, really starting to understand some of these things by, by exposing yourself to that information, by, by trying different things. I think that's what's making the difference at every level, at a CC level and at a board level. I think you're starting to see, I think that's the first barrier is the awareness. I agree. Uh, and I think in, in reverse. In the organization,
2: the, the doers, there's an understanding of, of what the technology can do. And since a lot of it is now consumer accessible, so to speak, then you see a lot of innovation, trying to put together, you know, data in 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 more sophisticated models. You know, the old BI tools, you know, like the Power BI have gotten actually quite powerful now. And now, you know, the, uh, the, the talented young people can start and, and do interesting models. But that's just a, a really... It's the beginning of a data culture, I think, and it's coming uh, sometimes from the top when, when they've, seen, you know, they've seen the art of the possible, so to speak, or it comes a lot from, from the young talent uh, within the company that recognizes, okay, there's a lot more that can be done, and then just go ahead and, and try it, and, and it all starts uh, with data. I think the way to unlock, kind of you know, morphing from your question, uh, Caleb, from the constraints, the way to unlock is, is really start with data. And, and that's where I see a lot of companies and not only the super innovators or the already digital native or, you know, digital operating model companies, but a lot of companies saying, uh, I have a lot of data and it's not only in the ERP system. I think there is, you know, the CRM data is in the Salesforce. You know, if, if you're in pharma, you have quality information and in some kind of a track wise, you know. Uh, etc. If you have a highly distributed you know, uh, global supply chain, then you need also data from all your contract manufacturers, etc. Just being able to consolidate this data, put it together, connect it, that's already uh, immensely valuable. You've seen all these efforts around data warehouses and data lakes it's just companies trying to get a grip on the data, the wealth of data they have and and then they can start doing first you know use cases probably mostly descriptive getting the data together, blending it and creating information I mean I've seen pharma companies blending you know, more ERP type data, et cetera, inventory data from their distribution partners, but also information about quality and, and, and shelf life to really optimize, you know, throughout their global network uh, where their inventory is, uh, et cetera. And in this in industry, it's, it's super critical. So I think those are, you know, industry specific, but really interesting use cases. And they all start with data.
1: A lot of the data cleanliness and the data quality has plagued a lot of these efforts, right? So to Patrick's point, you have to try to bring data sets together and that forces you to start to understand where the inadequacies and issues are. And then you start to trace back to the root cause of that and you start to then correct the data entry uh, points and start to get better data, right? So you'll find, for example, Europe might have the same setup as North America, but then people are using fields in a different way. So when I combine them, I can't really make any sense of them. So it goes back to a lot of the, you know, a lot of the practices that were implemented with a lot of these systems were set up I think also another perhaps way to deal with that barrier is the fact that we're now starting to collect a lot more data automatically. So, for example, you know, with IoT and things like that, we can start to collect data. We eliminate the middlemen, right? We don't need somebody to type it in. We can collect it ourselves from the root. And I think that starts to correct um, a lot of that.
2: Yeah, and I think that, you know, a lot of technology is there also to help on on the cleanup with automatic detection of, of issues, you know, even some AI and ML to try to, Make sense and harmonize data, as you said. You know, uh, different naming conventions or names misspelled. You know, from uh, this ERP and this ERP versus this other system, etc. So, software is also here helping. You know, make sense out of the data. Uh, I think also companies don't try to do a massive data cleanup and harmonization exercise because this is usually it's it's very painful. And in per se, it doesn't deliver value. So rather is you identify a use case that you want to work on. That is the data you have. Some of it is good. Some of it is less good, but you fix it use case by use case, as opposed to trying to clean everything up in theory. And this is the best approach that motivates people because yeah, it's painful. It's always painful to clean up data, but at least you have a use case behind it and you can see the value of it. And then you do it for the next use case.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it sounds like there is really just a a world of infinite possibilities ahead of us with what's going to be possible with technologies. But, you know, Patrick, I want to really want to to hone in here and talk a little bit more about, you know, exactly what should people be looking at today? Um, There is, of course, a number of platforms out there who said they can do it all. Everything that we just talked about, they can they can do it. But I want to get your perspective here. What would you say are some of the most important features and functionalities that listeners should be considering
2: when looking at this tech? Indeed, in in that new enterprise stack, if you want, okay, so we have the the traditional stack around the ERP, helping you automate your processes, you know, create, you know, your your accounting, your books and your financial statements, etc. There's a new stack emerging on creating, yeah, these all these apps that that Rafa was referring to, but basically helping the business make decisions, and also helping the business operate in a different way. Because the way... Uh, the ERPs were set up is the traditional way. So if you're a retailer, your ERP is set up of you, you know, shipping through a network of, of DCs uh, all the way to a store. Now you have omni-channel. You've got, you know, click and collect uh, all these different models. Uh, how do you handle this? And that is not in the ERP, and it's going to be really hard, actually quite impossible until unless you re-implement completely, uh, to, to have the ERP support this. And by the time you've done it, by the way, you will have a new operating model that you want to try out that is not in the system. So you really need a layer on top of this to help you make decisions. And the elements of that new layer is a lot about data. We talked about it. Then there's a number of tools you know, on top of it to help extract value and make sense out of this data and derive knowledge. So, you know, a lot of, you know, AI tools, but not only, but certainly AI and ML is is a big use case, but there are other, you know, types of algorithms that help you derive knowledge out of this data. And then of course, that knowledge helps you make better decisions. And then you need of course context. Just a forecast alone is not enough. It doesn't give you a, a plan you need to do, you know, then, you know, do your demand and supply matching, et cetera. So I think, A lot of companies are experimenting, there's a lot of open source tools, you know, the big three cloud providers provide you more than just compute and storage, they provide you also algorithms, they even provide you, you know, tools to do front ends. There are two approaches, there are the companies who try to build it themselves and create that stack, but then they're going to have to really pick and choose for all the different elements, you know, whatever tool they need. What kind of data warehouse, what kind of ETL, you know, uh, enhance, transform, and in, in, in load tools, uh, what kind of cleanup tools I need, what kind of analytics and advanced analytics, what kind of AI toolbox, and how do I do a, a, a web app on top of this? So that's actually quite complicated. And then there's also knowledge missing, which is what's the data model, for example. And the other approach is, you know, to pick a stack where a company, you know, which is the approach that we followed, have already created the stack and picked the tools to help companies basically go directly from the data to the decision. Uh, and I think that's really where we are. A lot of companies have experimented because these platforms, these next generation you know, planning and decision-making platforms didn't exist. But of course, it is somewhat painful to have to make all these decisions and create your stack. And now that you know, platforms like the O9 Digital Brain exist, then it is it is an alternative to go for, of course, subject matter specific it is mostly you know a supply chain plus adjacent use cases but this one at least the choices have already made you don't have to go and pick yourself and build it
0: rafa i just want to really quickly I want to get your take here and then we'll start to to sort of head towards the, the conclusion of our conversation today but i think one big question in top of mind is you know we've talked to uh, spend a lot of time talking about several well-known but highly technical ideas that listeners should be looking at uh, you know in today's emerging Uh, enterprise platforms from a user experience perspective rafa why do you think it's so important for all of these different systems to operate and connect in that single platform
1: what omni experiences have done is they've created the expectation for people that everything is available to them the challenge we have is to disrupt a lot of the operating models and constructs that companies have been using for many years so we can actually deliver that experience And I always say this with with humans, uh, egos get in the way, and they are sometimes barriers that are more organizational that are preventing us to get there. Uh, I think an employee, an associate for any company is expecting the same thing that they get as a consumer. And it's just a question of how fast can we get there? Uh, The technology is there, the capability is there, and the expectation is there. An example would be, you know, I was working for this company creating integrated supply model. And we basically realized all the information we need is now available in the same screen. So now I don't need all these different types of planners. I only have one network planner and he's able to make decisions for the whole network. And then, you know, if I paired that up with a commercial person, that team can now service the consumer in a very integrated way. So I think the paradigms are completely changing, uh, but the expectation is absolutely there to bring everything into one place.
0: Well, we are uh, running out of time today, but I did just want us to transition here to give our listeners some more actionable next steps to think about uh, as we wrap up. Uh, So I want to start with you again, Rafa, on this question, then also get Patrick Get your take. I mean, Making any sort of change at such a large scale, this is always going to be a daunting challenge, right? New technology, digital transformation, this can be somewhat of an intimidating task, even for the most seasoned business leaders. Why do you think it's so important for today's business leaders to really overcome that adversity and lean into the digital transformation and change management needed to adopt or embrace one of these emerging next-gen enterprise platforms?
1: I think we're all in a, a, I call it the digital rat race. Um, I think uh, every enterprise and every executive is going to be left behind if they don't get on the, on the pace of the, of the new market. I mean, I can tell you as a consultant, I've been a consultant for 20 years and, you know, we were struggling as consultants to keep up, you know, and, and, and we're supposed to be ahead. I started to think about how can I help my clients, you know, stay ahead because there's so much information out there and they don't even know where to start. So I think the imperative for educating yourself and creating awareness is huge. I think the imperative for innovation is huge. You have to uh, leverage the ecosystem and your partners to help you um, and understand that not all the answers are going to be with you and that's okay. Um, and I think that that's an important thing. You have to create a team and then to rise around you and a cadence to be able to tap into what's happening and what's out there. And I think that the rate and pace of change today is significantly more than what it was 10, 15 years ago. So that requires a different mindset. You have to dedicate time in your week to study and research and understand what's happening. And you have to get constantly getting exposed to what's out there, um, both innovation internally, but also what's happening externally to your enterprise.
2: Patrick? Yes, so I think what I'd like to do, you know, as at the end of this this podcast, is kind of leave, you know, our listeners with with a bit of advice based on everything I've seen over the past five, even ten years. I would say there's four things that that make sense to get ready for, you know, this whole big digital transformation wave that we're we've been just talking about. I think start the journey with data and start now. If you haven't, you're actually late. I would argue that most companies, and really not only the you know, super digital uh, aware or native are, have a very clear data strategy, okay? So put together an enterprise data lake, uh, you know, start collecting the data from your different systems, you know, uh, mostly internal, uh, and at some point, you know, get external data too. And then just start, you know, getting value out of this. Blend the data, do BI, analytics, etc., And then start creating the data first culture. And then you see a number of companies putting together New teams with new roles, you know, data governance, you know, chief data officer. So there, there's a number of things that are super important in on this uh, uh, digital journey, and it really starts with data. Uh, so uh, you you cannot be too early starting on this. The the second one is identify these quick wins and go after them. And the past two years have shown where where the business is suffering under stress, and those are usually good indicators of where a digital solution could help. You know, Rafa talked about the new omni-channel model, you know, having visibility of inventory and and channel and and the changes in demand, et cetera. So identify what these business cases that really have value. And machine learning demand forecasting is a superb one. And not only in the consumer and retail sector, I had my example of the, the coffee chain, you know, doing this very, very specific uh, uh, replenishment on a daily basis, but even in industrial manufacturing, we work with companies in the automotive sector, uh, especially suppliers, they need to understand what the OEMs are going to call off. And yes, they get a forecast, but it's not good enough. So AI ML can help. So find a use case uh, that has value and go after it. And then you put recommendation number three, you put a SWAT team. So this is not an IT project, Okay. This is not a business project either. It's a combination. And then get a data scientist or a data engineer and put them together to define, okay, what is the business outcome? What would we like to know? What's going to be the decision and what data we need for this? And how do we want to process it? And how often do we need the data? at What granularity? And then that multi-talented team is going to be able to drive this project in, in and drive the value. And again, plenty of open source tools you can try with etc phase four would be then you have to think of how to grow from these individual prototypes or use cases uh, and avoid what Rafa was describing that you end up having all kinds of little tools left and right but that end up you know being siloed and not really connected the other issues of course is how do you scale from a successful prototype you know built with some you know open source tools or whatever, to something that you can give to tens, hundreds, possibly thousands of users that they can use in, in their daily activities, and so you have to think of, you know, how to move from a, from a technology or 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 business, you know, innovation and prototype to really enterprise application. How to deploy? How to maintain? How to run? And that's really where you have to think of, you know, when is it time to then switch to a, a true platform that allows you that level of scale. What we've seen a lot is especially the you know, the the early adopters that have already data scientists that have built models, the question is, okay, how do I turn these great innovations into something that helps, you know, hundreds and thousands of users? That's usually where these projects actually stop. It's like, how do I scale? How do I maintain? How do I support? How do I onboard? And how does it connect to the other tools that the business user are using on a daily basis? That's where you have to make the switch. And that's when you think of these digital platforms, but it is fine to start with pilots and prototypes. Great. Well said,
0: Patrick. Those are some great next steps for listeners there. I think we are about out of time today, uh, but I did just want to give you both an opportunity to weigh in with the final word. Uh, Rafa, is there anything else you would like to add about what listeners should consider about today's emerging enterprise platforms?
1: Uh, I think the one thing that I would leave you with is, you know, just look at your own enterprise and realize that most likely 60, 70% of your talent our millennials and people who think very differently than you, they're not gonna wanna stick around unless you create an environment where they can do the things that Patrick described and, and we discussed today. So I think it's uh, an important thing to just realize the cheese has moved and it's time to move uh, into a new direction. So true, Rafa. And, and I would add, these millennials have the awareness
2: of, of technology prototypes, leverage them, they'll just drive these initiatives. Well,
0: that is all we have time for today. Raphael Cauldron, the principal of Deloitte Consulting. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pleasure to be here. All right. And Patrick Lemoyne, thank you for joining us on Masters of Digital Transformation
2: today. Thank you both. It was fun. Let's do another one.
0: And thank you listeners for tuning into today's episode featuring Raphael Cauldron and Patrick Lemoyne, covering today's emerging enterprise platforms. We started the conversation off by discussing why there's been a notable lack of innovation in much of enterprise planning technology before taking a look at what you need to know about these platforms and then we wrapped up the conversation by talking about how to go about finding the right technology partner in today's competitive and rapidly changing business environment. If you enjoyed today's conversation with Patrick and Raphael, and you'd like to learn more, you can check out the 09 Solutions white paper titled Mitigating Supply Chain Complexity with Next Gym Platforms. And that is going to be linked in today's show notes. To keep up with more episodes of Masters of Digital Transformation, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your preferred podcast app. You can learn more about their activities and learning opportunities available through the AIM 10X Innovators Network by following AIM 10X on LinkedIn. And as we sign off on today's conversation, I'd like to echo the words of Jim Collins. Great companies foster a productive tension between continuity and change. Join us next week when we sit down with Beta Bolzanu, the former CEO of Morelli, where we talk with him about a CEO's perspective on the current supply chain crisis in the automotive industry. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone, and we'll catch you again next time.